Who's he going for, Pagan? All you need is tickets and chalk. Change the prices, take money and win. Done our dough, chaps. We've done our dough. I'd seen patronising attitude. That's unfair. I would see. I would see betting shops return to laying bets as opposed to being mini casinos. And a very warm welcome to a Bar Steward special. Uh, my name's Lee Keys of SystemBet.co.uk, and joining me tonight, uh, two special guests. Um, in the blue corner, we have Carm uh, Berry, who's a successful trader on Betfair, and he's been plowing his trade on the exchanges for years, offering advice to punters, uh, like-minded punters who like a trade. And you can find more about Khan on KhanBerry.com. Uh, good evening, Khan. Good evening, Nate. Good evening. Yes, looking forward to this. And in the red corner is uh, Jeff Banks, uh, bookmaker, online bookmaker, on-course bookmaker. And certainly, Jeff, uh, we had him on the show uh, a few weeks ago. It was a, it made for a very, very good show indeed. Very informed opinion as Jeff. Uh, not all will agree, but it's certainly uh, informed opinion. And you can uh, certainly learn more about Jeff. You go to jeffbanks.bet. And uh, certainly, uh, I'm sure Jeff will appreciate you opening an account, Jeff. So, yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, right. Right, gents. I mean, the thorny topic that we've got here um, is the Gambling Commission. And for um, listeners that maybe, you know, are not au fait with what's been, been going off, especially in the last last sort of six months or so, especially, uh, punters are now being restricted on affordability, where they're asked to produce documentation uh, to, to give evidence that they can afford uh, to place bets and stakes uh, to the amounts um, that, that, that obviously they're, they're ha- the, the gambling is, is doing. Now, the onus is placed on bookmakers to carry out these checks, and uh, and obviously uh, put a, a restriction on a said punter if they deem that that said punter cannot afford uh, uh, to, to to wager uh, those amounts. Now the problem with this is that it's uh, it's certainly caught a lot of lot of people unawares, myself included. I've I've been uh, investigated despite being a punter on Betfair for a long long time, a successful one at that. Uh, not not an amazing punter, but a decent one. Uh, Jeff, I believe, recently um, has also been um, uh, been scouted by the uh, the Betfair Betfair team to produce documentation. Is that right, Jeff? Of course, yeah, yeah. And and so I mean, this is affecting not just I would say potential problem gamblers that the gambling commission have highlighted uh, could have a problem and could bring harm to, to themselves and the families, which which of course we acknowledge there's absolutely no problem. Uh, with with some of the findings of the Gambling Commission. Um, however, this is catching a lot of of recreational punters that aren't at risk. This is catching a lot of uh, uh, even professional punters that that on the exchanges that, that are certainly are no uh, no no gambling gambling risks. And and this is what the problem is that we're we're, we're heading for dark times, especially if you're a horse racing fan, because as you know, the levy is funded um, by 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 profits uh, um, that the bookmakers make. And if, they, if the bookmakers can't take as much money because they've had to suspend uh, certain accounts, um, then how, how does that affect the levy going forward? We've plenty to talk about. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll start off with um, um, a point from you, Jeff, that you said the other day. You said, um, why is the betting and gaming 
council membership, not challenging the regulator. Why, why do you think why do you think that is? Because well, it's clear to me that the regulator here is is being draconian, you know, certainly in our view. Um, so why do you think that is? OK, so <clears throat> the first thing to say that as I, I want to as by way of preamble, I want to make one thing absolutely clear that as an operator, as a licensed operator, we obey the rules. And my team working in my company work very hard on a daily basis, hourly even, um, constantly checking accounts and looking for signs of problem gambling. And I would say that over years um, we've become experts in detecting, um, you know, the you know problem gamblers. It's, it's, it's quite e- it, it is actually easier than you think to detect a genuine you know somebody who who's likely to have a problem with gambling it is it is actually easier than you think there are lots of little indications that we have as professionals um, into that behavior that having been said that does not mean to say that i in any way as um as a long-standing operator and as those that know me will know i've i you know i worked betting shops for my father done the on-course business um for many years, which is more of a bit of fun these days than anything else, to be honest with you, for me. Um, and the online business certainly over the last, you know, dozen years or so has been a, you know, has been a successful growing business. So I have experience in many areas of the gambling cake. And that experience also comes with the knowledge of the way that punters behave. Um, yesterday, I played golf with a professional golfer. He's very well known, this professional golfer, but he's not a big punter. Doesn't punt with me um, uh, very much. He, you know, he's only a little tiny guy, might have 20s and 40s and whatever. He told me he has an account with Bet365. He was sitting there having a glass. And he said over the last year, it's a new account, and over the last year, he had been playing on this little Bet365 account, and he managed to get it up to £1,000, okay? Just having regular bets, as you like. Yeah. And he didn't withdraw his money. Um, and uh, but he then continued to play and he lost the thousand pound back and a little bit more. He estimates that over the course of the year, the maximum loss that he would face is a grand. That would what his personal exposure would be. Being a pro golfer and being having played hundreds of times on the European tour, he shall remain nameless, of course. Um, hundreds of times on the European, European tour, he's very well known, not just generally, but he would be well known to Bet365 if they bothered to do any of their due diligence, they would know who he was. And from that, you would reasonably conclude that is there an AML issue, an anti-money laundering issue? Please don't be silly. Of course, there's not. Is there a responsible gambling issue for a thousand pounds for a European tour player? Of course, there isn't. However, he was suspended from act from acting on Bet365. His account was, was effectively closed. It was suspended pending him sending them various bits of documentation, bank statements and all the rest of it, and he's never had a bet for them since. That is, by way, again, by way of preamble, so people kind of understand that the problem isn't just about high-level gamblers, it's also low-level gamblers. It's gamblers at all levels. And one of the reasons I suspect that large companies, and I am coming to the point you make about the Betting and Gaming Council, one of the reasons I suspect that these checks are taking place, because they're not with everybody. It is apparent that they're not with everybody. But if you win from these companies, and I won off Betfair 
with actually not very big bets. I'm not a big punter myself, but I did happen to have a strike with them, I don't know, four or five years ago, and I won about 100 grand off them. And again, I emphasize I hadn't deposited a lot of money to win that 100 grand. I just happened to win. There were big prices, and I got lucky. And of course, like everybody else, I had my account uh, restricted to pennies ever since that time. That's the sports book. But I rather have the theory that the way that the large companies are behaving, and indeed this pro golfer is the same, is that they look at accounts, and those that are uh, less than attractive um, are being uh, subjected to extra and unnecessary checks because this particular pro golfer, there's absolutely no reason whatsoever to check his account. No reason on God's planet why Bet365 should assume he is a problem gambler. He gives no indication of being a problem gambler. He never ever has with me. He would never email them and complain or ask for free bets <laughs> or all the other problem gambling in, uh, indicators. But yet he's been treated in this abhorrent manner. This is no way to treat a customer. And I, and I think Carnal will echo that, that view mm. that what's most important in life is the relationship between the customer and the operator. This is, this is a key, you know, this is a key area. So when you talk about the betting and gaming council, who I have to say on many subjects have done, you know, a really fantastic job as, as a council in bringing the operators, the large operators to heel, because I've never seen as many problem, as many responsible gambling adverts as what I see these days, and they're very effective. And there are lots of measures that the Betting and Gaming Council have accepted that have been extremely positive for the industry. But on this topic, on the topic of affordability checks, on the topic of the relationships between customers and the operators, uh, and the manner in which the, the Gambling Commission is behaving at the moment, the Betting and Gaming Council has nothing to say, and they're not alone. The Punters Forum that sits in the British Horse Racing Authority, the biggest bunch of windbags ever, who've achieved absolutely nothing over years, have nothing to say on the subject. I looked at some of the things that they've been talking about recently. I asked their current chairman to tell me why they've not discussed the matter of invasive affordability checks on their members, on the people they're supposed to represent, nothing to say very little to say not absolutely nothing but very little to be said from the racing post they again should be representing the punters as well as the <coughs> operators and they have nothing to say you the last body that you talk about quite a lot um just for let let Khan, um you know uh, give give his take on the matter is lee you you talk about the british horse racing authority um, they they honestly have no remit in this matter whatsoever. It is no, no power outside their uh, outside of their remit. What they what they control and what they're supposed to regulate. We know they don't regulate horse racing in the manner in which they should. Um, but the fact is, they are not involved in this. This is not a conversation for the British Horse Racing Authority to be involved in. Yeah. So I just wanted to make these points that. As much as I approve of the Betting and Gaming Council, they've been notably silent on this topic. And the behaviour of the operators, I think, is highly questionable. These, they, they've t I believe they've taken this opportunity to, uh, to perform invasive data checks in, in a, because at the end of the day, to large companies, data is absolutely critical. And they have, they have been engaged in, in a mass collection 
of data on their customers. Amortization, I think that's the, the word, sorry if my, my pronunciation isn't right. In other words, making profit from the collection of data on their own customers, passing it on to third party companies, sharing that data with third party companies who have their own terms and conditions that customers have not signed up to, and they are sharing that data with whoever they do business with. And this is worldwide, effectively, because if you do business, for example, with Paddy Power or Betfair, they're an Irish company, but they have licenses in Alderney and, and Gibraltar and all over the place. And you're sh and the, the, the company that they're sharing their data, the third party company, where are they licensed? They're certainly not licensed. There's certainly no, nobody that signs up to Paddy Power Betfair, for example, is, is in any way aware of where their data is being sent. So these are these are some of my concerns. There are other things that I want to um, to outline, but I want to hear from Khan. I want to hear from you know because he's, he's very yeah, I, you know he's involved in the punters, and I and I want to hear that view. Yeah, Khan. Yeah, sure. I think <laughs> do you know this. I think most people will be amazed the first time I'm going to agree with you, Jeff. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> but the. Uh, Look, I, th I think more or less everything you said there, I agree with wholeheartedly. I'm stunned that you managed to get 100 grand out of Betfair Sportsbook. I'd like to know how you did that. <laughs> um, but, um, but as far as, as far as betting gaming council go, um, and also you mentioned the racing post there, and, and I often think this, and, and you know the likes of at the races and, and all of these large media providers, which really should be pushing back for horse racing a lot of the time. Um, they're just in the pockets of, the, of these massive companies, and I think the betting gaming council included in that um, now I suspect that some of the affordability checks the way they've got it geared up now possibly how they're even likely to get get you know the, the result of the up-and-coming gambling review I think it all plays into their hands um, it's not best for the end end user I don't think it's right um, as, as you said there um, all the stuff that goes on with data and data sharing and all that kind of stuff it's massive business um, it's extremely intrusive and looking at the other end of the spectrum too, I've looked quite a bit of it the last week or two. Obviously, Betfair brought in that 500, or supposedly did, which, you know, there's lots of stuff going on behind the scenes and it's really not all that transparent all the time. But they, they, they supposedly brought in the £500 limit for 25s and under, or they are at the end of this month. Um, and then they're treating people differently as well. It, I, oh, honestly, it, it's such it's such a waste to do it. The, the, the solu what I'm trying to get to here, the solution is not going to help. It's not going to achieve what they're trying to achieve. Um, you know, the, the problem gamblers at that end of the spectrum. And it's going to create a massive amount of red tape and paperwork per provider. You probably get that too, Jeff. I spoke to um, uh, Ben, sorry, from Star Sports not so long yeah, ago. Ben Keith. And, yeah. And, and, you know, I'm interested to hear the, the other side of the fence, too, because we don't always get exposed to that. And it must be a complete nightmare. But it, it, it's not it's not good for the, the, the problem gamblers because they don't get treated how they should be. They, they get skipped out on the affordability. People like myself, after two, three hundred quid, you know, there's questions and stuff like that going on. Um, and it's just completely misused. I think to, to, to have um, and I'm not saying this, this is you, Jeff, but like, you know, to have bookmakers in charge of sort of policing themselves and doing all this stuff just isn't going to work on any level. But in many ways, can I make this point um, again, endorsing what, what you're saying here? We're not detectives, but these days we are asked to be detectives. Um, it, it is a ridiculous situation. When we talk about let's when we talk about the word affordability, first of all, let's be clear. 
affordability is a subject that is often booted around by the Gambling Commission whenever they're making speeches. Yep, because I've seen this. If you look up MacArthur's speech, who was the last CEO of uh, the Gambling Commission, personally, I think he was an idiot. Um, and that's not true of, of many of the people who work in the Gambling Commission that I've spoken to. There's a lot of very sharp minds that work for them. But MacArthur was an idiot. He, wore, he, he moved the Gambling Commission towards extremism as an, oper as an operator and uh, as a regulator. Um, and I think that was a very worrying development. The first thing that MacArthur did is he, he incepted sort of regulations that made operators responsible for the behavior of their customers. Now, what do I mean by that? This is on, on the basis of every once in a while you hear these horror stories, they always make it on Panorama, of some geezer who stole 100 grand from somebody or 200 grand from somebody and we as operators are supposed to detect that that we've become responsible for that behavior instead of it being something to do with the police because we have police in this country to police that kind of thing and to punish that person we as operators have become responsible for dealing with that kind of problem and the the of course we can in many ways detect that kind of high level gambling and everything else like that but um i think I, I, I kind of worked out, I, I, I encapsulate the Gambling Commission of today in three, in three remits, what I call their remit. Number one is creation, this is what they say, creation of a fair and safe environment for gambling in the UK and the protection of the vulnerable as a key area. That's what they say. From that, I get number two, creation, creation of such an unpleasant relationship between operators and the 99% of people who are not vulnerable as customers to either wager elsewhere, in other words, with another operator because their experience has become so unpleasant um, in the regulated or worse in the unregulated market, the black market. By the use of, uh, you know, the gambling commission, by the use of tacit advocation of illegal and they are illegal, invasive checks on people's lives and privacy. And the reason why I know it's illegal is because the Gamma Commission has never been able to commit the operators to affordability checks. They've, they've talked about it, but it's not in the licensing conditions. In other words, the Information Commissioner has said, no, you cannot do that. And until the laws get changed in Parliament, the Gamma Commission might desire it, but they cannot enforce it. But they talk about it a lot. They kind of tacitly expect it and they conflate the AML and the responsible gambling issue, they roll it into one thing to try to get these checks to take place. And the third thing that the Gambling Commission has become, in my little remit, the Gambling Commission, they have become the cheerleader for extremist, narrow, anti-gambling lobby views. And why do I say that? Because they never have anything positive to say about the industry, about gambling, about the behavior of its operators, even when the operators have been notably successful in driving down problem gambling levels to a worldwide low. In fact, over the last couple of years, they've halved the level of problem gambling in the United Kingdom. And that's been a notable success story, something the Gambling Commission put down to insufficient data. If it had gone the other way, they would have had an absolute scream up. But the Gambling Commission have scored a massive own goal, led by MacArthur, in being the cheerleader or these extremist views, because the more you attack the industry that you're supposed to represent, that you're supposed to regulate, 
the more you play into the hands of extremist views. You back up their views that everything in gambling is bad, that we all need to be treated as if we're all children. You know, we all need to have a, you know, at, we need to have our bottom smacked if we spend too much money on gambling. You know, we need, and when, when Khan talks about affordability checks, an important point to remember is if I said to Khan, how much money have you got in your pocket? How much are you worth this month? And then I ask the same question next month, I'll get two different answers. One month he might have a great month and plenty of money in the bank, everything goes well. Next month he has a bad run and he's got less money in the bank. So the affordability check is an ongoing thing. It's a snapshot, a one-time deal of looking at how a customer uh, you know, how a customer stands. So unless you can do regular affordability checks, they become semi-meaningless anyway. Do you not? Do you not also think as well, Jeff, that the real elephant in the room is the fact that they, are, you know, I could come to you, I could do an affordability check, you could say, look, okay, it's good for ten grand a month, whatever, and then I could do that ten grand, and then I could go over to Labrokes and do the same, and then go to Bet365 and do the same, and do it all relatively quickly, you know, even within the space of a day, say, or or, or a couple of days, and the whole system's got no chance of catching up. Well, you, you, well, you've got to you've got to be careful there, Calm, because you're 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 treading onto what you, you you're becoming almost a disciple unwittingly. Well, no, 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 not at all. I'm, I'm thinking wanted, more towards solution. He, he wanted what's called a single customer view, a single customer wallet. He wanted all the operators. This is what MacArthur was like. This is why I consider him extremist. He wanted all the operators to pull all the information they had on every customer they had in their books, how they did, share data, share bank statements. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? sharing your bank statement with Labbrook said it would be given out to all these different operators, how much you spent, what you spent it on, when you spent your money, and they would have ultimately, all the operators would be expected to share this data. It, it, was, an, it was an unbelievable scheme. No, I, believe, no, I agree. That, that's totally wrong. But what, what I, I would say maybe is, because I'm thinking more towards the solution is, and it might not be easy at first, but there needs to be an independent third party that deals with that, which, you know, you don't have access to, to the information, Labrokes doesn't, but, you know, they, they kind of like, you. Do, you it, I, I guess the payment process has to be part of it. But, you know, the, the money goes in and then it can and it goes to off to, to various bookies, whichever ones you want to choose and use and have accounts with. But that takes away, you know, a ton of red tape for each individual provider. It gives a person a bit more protection um, it, you know, or fulfill some of these things that they suggest, because on some level there needs to be some affordability for some some of these people. You know, I know they're extreme cases. Then it has to be part of the conversation, doesn't it? No, not no. at all. Sorry, mate. No, and and the reason why is because I think what we need to focus on, and I'm I'm very committed to. I would I I would hate to go to my bed at night and know that I have been the the, the antichrist to somebody's income to such an extent that they they you know they have a, a really bad time in life that they I wreck their family relations or force them out house and home I don't want to be involved in that I know that sounds you know oh you know ungenuine but it is entirely genuine that is from the heart I wouldn't want to be responsible in that but if you're going to deal with the problem gamblers the vulnerable people in life that's about that, you know, at the end of the day, every form of human addiction, be it smoking, be it drinking, be it food eating, all all addictions that cause massive deaths and problems in our societies these days and gambling as well. At the at the end of the day, they all come down to one word, self, self-control. 
Ed, and, and, and how do you help somebody who has problems with all of these different kind of things? You're not going to stop them because they're addicts. And you must recognize that it's very difficult to stop them. You help them with education and with training and with messaging, the kind of messaging that the operators have been putting out over the last couple of years, continuous reinforcement, keep your spend under control, use deposit limits, use timeouts. This kind of subliminal messaging really does work, Carl and Lee. This kind of thing is the most effective way banning people. Telling, imagine trying to tell somebody that smokes, for example, you can no longer smoke. You can sign up this form on uh, smoke, smoke stop and you'll never be able to access another cigarette. How successful do you think it would be? It, would, it, it wouldn't have a prayer. It, at the end of the day, everything is down to the individual, the individual's choice. You're not going to stop him gambling. You're not going to stop him drinking or eating. But if you if you can get the messaging right, then you will. That will be, the, in my view, the most successful way of dealing with the problem: education of the operator and education of the punter. Jeff, um, just just a question. I've, I've wanted to ask you for a bit. Um, are these affordability checks that you know? I mean. Sh- Surely it makes common sense to to sort of um, dissect games of chance to games of skill. You know, you you haven't yeah. got to do rocket science to know that in a game in a game of chance, you know, anything can happen. The odds are kind of against you in a game of chance, especially roulette. Anyone knows the odds, etc. Um, in a game of skill, like a, a football match uh, or a or a or a horse racing event, um, why? Why have uh, I've seen many, many successful traders on Betfair, punters with sports books, um, uh, lose their accounts for actually winning? Um, um, n- not, 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 not through winning, but the affordability check. Basically, you know, it's like, well, you might have won five thousand this last week, but um, you lost uh, over the, the previous three months. You, you, you've lost ten thousand. So, so how have you how have you managed to fund that? Now. Are bookmakers using it for their own ends? Because I, I think there's, there's significant evidence that I've seen from punters contacting me um, to suggest that bookmakers are clearly using this for their own ends. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so therefore, yes, that, that, yes, that is certainly true. 100%. And and the reason why that's happening, it is it, 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 self-evident. If the book, if the bookmakers were not benefiting from these affordability arrangements. They would be screaming the place down to the politicians, screaming the place down to the gambling commission, and they're a very powerful lobby. You know, these companies entail Bet365, all of these companies, they're, they're very power, they have a very powerful lobby. They pay a lot of tax. You know, they've got, they've got a strong voice in the country. If they, if they club together and, and argued against all of these invasive checks on their customers that are driving their customers not only away and into the hands of other operators, but into the hands of, of, of unregulated black market operators. And but they it seems to me the reason they're not having a scream up, they don't care. There are two there are two reasons. One, of course, it's difficult to challenge the regulator. They haven't challenged the regulator enough. Regulators been allowed to get away with these things unchallenged, relatively unchallenged. Um, and you've got the rise of extremism in political views and, and, and BBC's regular attacks on gambling and things like that. But unquestionably, the operators themselves, in my view, this is my opinion, they have they are benefiting from this arrangement. This massive collection of customer data works in their favor and they'll be able to take people like Lee. Let's say, you know, uh, sorry, not Lee, uh, 
Khan will have, let's say he bet with me, he might have 10 accounts, 20 accounts that he operates through him. I would be, if I would behave that way, I would be able to filter those accounts out without losing any kudos, any PR, no loss of thing by just turning around and saying, oh, we think you've got a bit of a problem gambling issue. We need all of these things. We need your P60, we need your share statements. Uh, we need all your bank statements going back three months. And we want to, we just want to make sure that you're not, you're not a vulnerable gambler. And we filter them all out. So the answer to your question is yes, in my opinion, that is happening. And my argument for why it's happening is because these very powerful bookmaking chains are not screening the place down. And if they did screen the place down, the Gambling Commission would be in a very, um, very undesirable place very quickly. So how, do, how does that get, sorry, how does that get resolved then? Because, you know, it's a phrase I use all the time, having the fox in charge of the hen house, to me, it's just a, a non-starter. Like how, how, how does it get resolved without having an independent? It's, it's like it's like everything else in life, Con. People have to start. People have to start engaging, writing letters, you know, talking to their MP, and, and complaining to the Gambling Commission about the the behaviour of 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 operators, the way that things are happening. But I don't see this. I don't see this kind of thing happening. Why are people not, for example, writing a simple letter to the Information Commissioner when, as I did, when Victor Chandler, uh, you know, they become, you know, run by a good friend of mine. Uh, you know, Michael Tabor, uh, who took over from uh, Victor, as you know, many years ago. Uh, but Michael Tabor was a massive gambler when I used to stand next to my dad and he used to come up and he had 10 grand, 20 grand. Now he's an absolute two bit operator, Michael is. So my account with Victor Chandler was immediately subject to invasive checks, talking about AML and all this kind of nonsense. And uh, there were no indication of that they'd never called me up to ask me if I had a problem with gambling or any other nonsense like that. There was no conversation like that. They just just asked me for about five or six different things about how much how much money I have and all this kind of stuff. And of course, I refused. I then wrote. I took the time. I, wrote, I took 10 minutes out of my day and I wrote to the information commissioner. And after about two or three weeks, I got a letter back from the information commissioner said John, the VC bet are wrong. They should be, come back to you. They should be in touch with you and deal with this kind of uh, situation. The information commissioner definitely has a problem with what is going on. And you, you, you customers out there, you punters, whatever you view, traders, you should be bombarding the information commissioner and getting that regulator, because they are a regulator, to do their job. If you're being asked for something that is your private bank statement or your bank account or your P60, your wage slips, all these things that they're asking, you write to the information commissioner and under, there is no regulation that will, that, that apparently, because I've, I've tested it, I've, I've tested this, you know, with the information commissioner, there is apparently no defence to these requests. But that's what you have to do. And will people take the time? No. And I, my wife, I asked my wife, um, but she, she's quite a you know sharp lawyer, and I said, why are punters so meekly putting up with this? Why are they just putting up for you know sending in P60, sending in their wages and their bank statements? She said because they're just desperate to get a bet. They just want to have a bet, and they will do anything to get a bet in, in to the point of suffering the this this. I think also it's, you can just go somewhere else. It takes five minutes. You know, just open another account with someone else. Yep. They just type in non-gam stop into Google. As we yeah. know, you'll get you'll get hundreds of hundreds of uh, operators 
prepared who are offshore who will take your who will take your money you can bet all night with these companies you can use credit cards you can reverse your payments you can do all the things that we've determined would be you know lead to problem gambling when you could do all of these things in the unregulated back market by just literally going on to google and typing in non-gam stop operator in fact if you type in the words non-g you'll get the same result google will give you the answers do we do do we think that that gambling now as 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 and I'm, I'm on about from a socio scale so so the the social side is now frowned upon i think more than ever and obviously we've seen this recently with the the Shilton and Merson kind of uh, 100% 100% and you know this is something that frustrates the hell out of me because i you know i do feel it's like two extreme groups at different ends of the spectrum sort of thrashing it out and and there's not a huge amount of sensible debate in the middle um, you've got the likes of, of Shilton and, you know, th- there is some very sad stories and that's not to minimise that, you know, w- what's happened to them. Um, but the, the press in particular, and I'm thinking more towards, you know, some of the experiences I had with Football Index at the end of last year as well. Um, they're just not interested unless it's either, you know, like a massive win or somebody's died. You know, and, the, and so like, and you've got Shilton at one end of the scale, which very gets hard on that. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> But like, um, you know, it, it, it seemed they're not interested in anything in between. So like, you know, back in December and there was people before me and I didn't really realise at the time. But, you know, I thought, well, hang on, what the hell's going on with this football index stuff? I contacted the Gambling Commission on the 9th of December. I've still not heard back from them now. Um, several times I contacted them because there was a few different things. Um, I contacted some different reporters at the time as well because I was like, you know, someone needs to put the brakes on this thing. And none of them were interested, apart from from one. But he he was already looking at it from the Guardian, uh, Greg Wood. So he was already kind of looking at it anyway. So it was far easier for him to to be interested. But all the others just point blank didn't want to know, and they only even want to write stories about you know some sad instance where somebody's died, and you've got like the the gambling with lives and, and stuff like that, or you've got the other end of the spectrum where you've just kind of got like the the, the bookies wanting more data and, and stuff like that. And it, I just feel there's a massive gap in the middle. But the, the, the big, the big gap, Khan, is the 30 million. I mean, mm. yes, if, if if even if we accepted the gambling commission's figures on problem gambling as accurate, which I do not, because they're mostly based on polls. So they, you know, they conduct telephone polls and extrapolate from those numbers. Oh, it must be this level, like the 50,000, the fictional 50,000 child problem gamblers that they came out with. Why are we not hearing or why do we not hear on the BBC and all these other anti-gambling uh, media? Um, why do we never hear from any of the 30 million people in this country who gamble happily, well within their means, who enjoy having the bets? And there are lots of people having it. Of course, you would expect me to argue that way. But it is factual that many people have a bet without any pressure on their finances. They enjoy having a flutter and they do it, most importantly, within their means they decide for themselves they make up their own minds how much they're going to spend in it and they spend it you know in two there are two areas of problem gambling the, the two two of the largest areas of problem gambling are the national lottery scratch cards notably is a large area of problem gambling which is not attributable to regular operators the the second area of problem gambling of course was fobties and betting shops which have now been literally cut to absolutely nothing so that has also uh, reduced the problem gambling level to 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 minimal to half of what it was before but the two biggest measures the two biggest success stories the operator of three 
the operators have had is education with the punters through regular advertising and messaging that's been very successful deposit limits for everybody this is something that we as an operator for example push very hard make sure everybody has a deposit limit with us um and timeouts taking literally just taking a break from gambling for a couple of weeks three weeks six weeks whatever um and and, and just taking just taking a pause out of it by your own choice but you know um i suppose we will get onto the gamstop issue but but these measures have all been very successful and they don't invert involve invoke the word ban no don't involve the word ban i mean the the thing for me is that we we may as well I mean me and Carl may as well 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 pack in gambling and 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 start doing the scratch cards because there's no affordability on those um you know and, and that's that's a, that's a very popular very popular pastime uh, you know in Britain you know that people do the lottery they play the lottery scratch cards um it it literally is I, I can't I, I, when this first started happening I thought this was really sinister uh, from 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 those, like you say, uh, those in, in charge of the Gambling Commission, by which there are no uh, industry professionals on that board, which is an absolute disgrace. I mean, th- how can you have a government quango that's that's doing money in right, left and centre, that's having their annual worldwide conferences in Montego Bay, in Boston, big jolly ups for the Gambling Commission board, um, you know, and and basically... They are not serving the industry. They are serving, like like you rightfully said, Jeff, a political stance. And that political stance. Somebody, somebody made a decision at the, when the Gambling Commission was originally incepted. They used the word independent. So they wanted them independent of the industry. But unfortunately, this is what this is what you what they don't what these some of these politicians don't seem to understand. The only way to successfully regulate anything is to have people who are who are thicker thieves that really understand the problem that have worked within the industry and i mean worked in operators done many things worked in the online worked in betting shops met punters on a daily basis worked you know experienced their betting patterns their betting behavior how they think that is the only way you're going to come up with successful schemes to to make sure that the problem gambling level is kept to the lowest level possible by having experience on there but what they choose to do is they have you know somebody from the chocolate factories somebody else that used to work at tesco and somebody else that uh you know you'd maybe work for an airline that you know doing ticketing and they put them all together in a room and say you come up and they give them one focus problem gambling that the one of the one of the biggest areas i would have thought regulators should be responsible for is making sure that the service levels that the customer experience in that industry is unparalleled, is unrivaled. But in everything that the Gambling Commission is doing, they are looking at this tiny element. Their focus is that they're, they're blinkered to, to an extreme, only looking at this problem area, and they're applying measures for those problem area to the whole gambling community, to everybody that has a bet, is subjected to these same invasive checks in order to protect a tiny, tiny element they affect everybody and they don't care as a regulator what, what what that does for the relationship between the consumer and the operator they don't care about that they don't care about the service levels and they should they damn well should care about service levels about the customer experience 
Yes, it's right. I would say, and Khan will almost love me for this for the first time in his life. It is <laughs> right that it is right that the regulator of gambling looks into areas like customers who can't get a bet. I mean, why are people hiving off to create 10, 20 different accounts because they can't get a bet on? At the end of the day, it is pro- it is right that, in my view, that every price that I would put on my website, and we do, by the way, as an operator, no customer is is rounded down to zero. If, if the minimum per you know bet for that we will lay to any customer is a hundred pound. So in other words, nobody can bet something for is restricted to less than that level. That's just our policy. Sometimes we might have the odd failure, but that is our general policy. And I believe across the industry, the very minimum. The operators should lay to lose on any market should be a hundred pounds and upwards from that. And one of the reasons why we've got into a situation where we are right now is because you know why is it the regulator is not looking to why customers are being denied service, being denied having you know be, but why is one customer being denied but the other is not? At, at the end of the day, if if I knew I was dealing one on one with Kant, there would there may be things there would be things that I would turn around to a professional and say, sorry, you won't be able to sort of take these prices before a certain time of the day and that kind of thing to try to balance up the equation between myself and him as, a, a you know, knowing that he's a professional. But at the end of the day, there appears to be no care in the regulator as to the relationship between the customer and the operator. There just seems to be policies that, that drive people away from operators and into the welcoming hands of the black market. And I and I just think I have no idea why it is they sit in their rooms, they sit around the board tables, and they only focus on one thing. And the reason why they only focus on one thing is because that's the pressure that they feel. Caroline Harris is of this world and the anti-gambling lobby yelling and screaming, why don't you do more? Why don't you do more? Instead of turning around and saying, no, stop. If we do all of these measures, we will punish 30 million people in order to protect 300,000 people. And that has to be wrong. It's wrong, it's ass, it's ass, it's cart before horse. Look after the 30 million who are happy, keep them happy, and the 300,000, look at it, examine, find ways to deal with it in a different way, with education, with training, <clears throat> with one-on-one interaction, deal with that problem more specifically, target it much more exactly, but don't, don't treat everybody like a problem gambler. But as I say, you know, I, I, I have a lot of secretly, I have a lot of sympathy with people who turn around and say, I cannot get a bet. Why can I not get a bet with an operator? Why are my service levels um, different from somebody else, for example? Absolutely. Discriminatory. And, and, and blinkered, you'd say, as well, with the GC's policy in terms of what the remit is, which is clearly uh, one track mind uh, in terms of, obviously, uh, affordability and, and stopping uh, problem gamblers. Um, Khan, uh, I've just got a little question for you. Um, it comes from John Lang, one of my contributors uh, to Bar Stewards, and he says, um, is there anyone um at the either bha horse betters forum gambling commission who gives you hope of anything better for racing or is the sport totally tonicked <laughs> well <laughs> i'd love to say there was something that gives me hope but not really no i mean just listening to jeff talking there about the uh, the gambling commission i mean at times it, it, i don't is it really unfair to sit there and think are they actually acting on behalf of some of these massive operators? 
I mean, it's it's certainly not for the benefit of racing. And well, I mean, the the one thing that's really on my mind throughout, sorry, or you previously saying this, like, well, why is there not this definition between sports betting and slots and casinos? And I don't know if you have a slots or casinos segment on your site, Jeff. I don't know, but okay. it, it, not the majority of problems come from, or I say the majority, you know, the, the the bad problems from from what I've seen, they come from them areas. They don't come from horse race. Like, horse racing has some problems, but. They have refused for years, and I've had many very pleasant conversations, very cordial conversations with guys that work in the Gambling Commission and, and asked them that very question. Why do you treat all operators, all gambling operators, and the manner in which they operate, depending on whether they say, for example, a non-course bookmaker um, or a uh, you know an online sports book operator or a, or a casino operator, why do you treat them in the same way they're not the same animal but they have refused to distinguish adequately between two things one the type of business that a bookmaker does yeah and 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 um you know it, it, that's what that you know that's one area they absolutely refuse to distinguish, and also the size of the operator you know but why yeah why is that? Why, why won't they do that? Because, I mean, from, from my perspective, I mean, I keep thinking about this this potential £100 monthly limit, right? In in one sense, what you just said there, the last thing, isn't it anti-competitive to, to apply that as well? The, the, the bet 365 as well would absolutely love it because then the smaller operator can't challenge them so much. Um, well, in no, terms of- it's, not, it's not anti-competitive, Carl, because at the end of the day, you are offering that service to the consumer. So if I put, you know, this is what... This is what criticism that could be leveled. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, I believe it can't be leveled fairly at us because if we keep a customer, we will ke- allow them to bet. They may not be able to bet at the price they want, but they will be allowed to bet. And um, it is because we cannot be uh, punished as a cons- you know by the consumer if we offer a price, if we offer a service, and deliver it to the customer, then then we cannot be punished. But at the moment, what appears to be happening, I mean, I've got a Bet365 account I've never been able to use, and I do mean genuinely never been able to use. If I go onto them and ask for £100 and need money chance, it's rounded down to, I mean, literal pennies. I mean, li- I mean, literal pennies. But the account remains open. Now, that, in my view, is challengeable. I mean, it is challengeable because you're offering something. You've got me as a consumer, and uh, but you're not prepared to lay me a farthing literally you're only prepared to lend me five or ten pence um there's no, by the way there's no business reason for this is not because i'm particularly inspired but they just made the decision you know more than a decade ago but notably the account is still open and this is what these co- these this is what these companies do in my opinion you know a price that you have should be laid to lose to an acceptable amount that's why i'll just put up the hundred pound hundred pound figure that's not a breach of uh, a, you know, a relationship between an operator and his consumer. That's yeah. compliance. Why? I mean, why I don't get is is, is why. So we've got at the races, we've got um, well, Sky Sports Racing as it is now. Uh, we've got Racing TV. We've got the Racing Post. Um, why? Why are these issues not being openly discussed on on any, on, on, a, on any platform? It's affiliate deals, isn't it? And I remember, do you know, I remember, I think it was, um, it was one of the channels, I think it was Racing TV, um, about 10 years ago, they were, you know, they had their open chat of an evening, and I emailed in, and I asked them and uh, to bring up something about premium charge at the time, and they, and they eventually, 
after sending the same email about three times, you know, over the space of two weeks, watching the same segment, somebody emailed me back and said that would upset our sponsors. And from that point, I've never forgot that. It's just the same with all of all, that's how I see it. The racing post, they're all on affiliate deals. They're all on enhanced kickbacks for different operators. Um, that, that's why they don't speak out. And that, but that's obviously to the detriment of hunters and racing. Yeah. So, so, so therefore, racing is on a on a one track path to, uh, I won't say oblivion, but because I think the bookmakers, in the end, the way I see it, will get what they want and will end up with lots and lots and lots of ten pound, twenty pound punters, um, recreational. When you talk about racing legal, racing has two uh, two key um, two key sponsors, if you like. One is, of course, the bookmakers in the ever increasing demand for more and more products, which they have made of racing over a matter of years, will only end up at the end of the day. You know, racing doesn't want to face up to this, but it will only end up in the same environment as what happened to Bags Greyhound Racing. Yeah, uh, it's a fair. Um, criticism of the of racing. Uh, indeed, the other day I think I heard for the first time in my life Simon Clare of Entain or Coral, um, you know, decrying uh, decrying you know too many too many meetings on a Saturday. That's the first time ever I've heard Simon Clare argue that way because whenever I sat on the BHA in forums, sorry, in committees. Um, when Paul Bittar was there and listened to Simon Clare speak, he was always maintaining the, the, the coral line, which is we paid for these base races, we paid for these meetings, they must go ahead even if we've just got three runners. So that's the first time I ever heard him argue that way. But the BHA has got the bookmakers demanding on the one side um, for more and more racing, and the other side, of course, is the racetracks who vote and put their men, you know, the two complete blanks that they've got as the chief executive and the chairman, their complete blanks were put in that position by the racetracks. And the racetracks, of course, earn money out of every single race that is put on. You know, they, you know, eight, ten thousand pounds a race and they trouser that money. And it's in their interest to, for, you know, to to have all this racing. And if you're going to be the chief executive of British racing, you better toe the line. That's the reason why you're putting the job to make sure that that status quo is maintained, even though everybody that's watching this podcast would agree with one thing. If I was to give you one example, Cheltenham fifth day is an unsupportable bastardization, stupid asshole plan <laughs> put up by racetrack, you know, one specific racetrack, the jockey club. Nobody sees any benefit in it because they can barely support four four days right now. But guess what? It'll happen. It will happen. This is coming. You, there will be a fifth day, despite everybody in the industry agreeing it's really a bad thing. Well, I can believe that after 10 extra fixtures have been put on Saturday next year, uh, which most people this summer have been saying, how on earth can we have this kind of racing on Saturday? It's ridiculous. And they've added another 10. We don't Just, need it. As, a, as an operator, we can tell you that we don't need it. We don't need extra, any more racing than what there is now. Now we would see, you know, at the end of the day, that argument about, how, you know, when, you know, we've all heard it, the punter walks into a betting shop with a hundred quid in his, in his pocket to spend. That's all he's got to spend. Yeah. You know, and if you, if you have like three meetings or four meetings, he's still going to spend the same amount of money at the end of the day. And so, you know, the, the extra, but there's just, they put in a couple of patsies at the top of British racing 
They've got nothing to say these two ladies that they've got right now. And the same Nick Rust, he did the same thing. He just they just comply. They want the job because they want to be seen as being the chief executive of British Racing and go around, ponce around the racetracks and eat the eat the prawn sandwich sandwiches and, <laughs> and a nice parking space and be seen as the chief executive of British Racing, do their three years and move on. And for God's sake, don't rock the boat while you're there. So, so Khan as well, I wanted to ask, to ask you how, because obviously you're you're full time on Betfair. Um, how how are you finding the markets after all these like affordability checks coming in? Have you noticed massive differences? Well, things have been in decline over a period of time anyway, haven't they? Yeah. Um, and I, there, it's not like there's been a massive drop off, but I suspect it will be progressive over time. Um, I can't see it being positive, that's for sure. Um, but I mean, I, I started having a lot of people contacting me, particularly to do with Betfair, obviously, where sort of November onwards last year, where they seem to be tightening up their, their belt and sort of maybe jumping before they're pushed. So I, I would assume that they're, they're sort of imminently expecting it. But I, I don't know. I, over, over time, um, I mean, looking at the under 25s that they've hit straight away, I don't think that's going to have a huge impact. Um, straight away but you know over a period of sort of 10 years or something they're, they're you know they're the next generation aren't they yeah you, you know you as a trader on Betfair do you, do you I mean I, I, I just punt but I mean you you obviously trade do, do you do you find yourself having to having to deposit much or on Betfair no no never have to bother no so it's, it's all yeah I mean it's just 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 interested from a from one side of the game to the other. Well, no, I have. I mean, I don't know if that's what you're getting at, but I've have heard uh, that. Well, somebody sort of contacted me, a friend, if you like. We don't talk too often, um, and they were sort of they were over a million up, um, and they got um, they had these restricts uh, restrictions put on them for deposits because they wanted to know where the money was coming from, uh, and they had a lot of money tied up in one of the political markets. I think it was back in November. Oh, yeah, so they, they deposited extra money, not because they'd lost it, because it was tied up in a market. Um, and then Betfair uh, basically suspended their account for a period of time, which was a bit of a nightmare. And, and as we all know, talking to their their customer support team or anything like that is outsourced, as, as Jeff says before. Um, it's like talking to a freaking wall. And, and this guy's kind of like, you know, you've charged me this amount in premium charge. <laughs> I'm a million pounds up and then I deposit some money and you're telling me I've got a problem. What's that all about? There is a rule, Con, uh, in the, under the licensing condition, not a rule, but basically it comes at Google's. I spend an awful lot of my time trying to keep up on, you know, ever-changing regulations of the gambling community. Because at the end of the day, I can complain about it, but I must respect it. I must do follow, yeah. the, follow the code. But one of the things is, which you might not be aware of, is that we as operators, if somebody wins, for example, 100,000 off bets 365 and sends us a statement from bet365 and says look i won this money so therefore that's the money that i'm using to fund my jeff banks account okay you would think that in the past that would have been seen as absolutely fair and above board it's not an aml issue he's showing you where the money's coming from he's won all this money from bet365 why on earth can't he deposit with me the gambling commission takes the view that you've got to look at that 100 grand and you've got to dissect it again you've got to be a bit of a detective and dissect it well, even though he won 100 grand off Bet365, he might have spent that money elsewhere. He might have put some here in Lambert's Corals. He might have paid his mortgage off. He might have bought a car. 
he might have uh, taken his wife to Mauritius for a holiday and everything else like that. And therefore, actually, he's not got very much money left over. So you need to be doing further checks on this customer and not just taking that as gospel. Now, to me, that level of regulation, that kind of idea is born of eight or nine people with no experience sitting around the board table in Birmingham and going, what should we do next? How do we justify, and it is a fair criticism, how do we justify our existence because we're getting a lot of pressure from all of these witches like Caroline Harris and all the rest of it and Ronnie Cowan and Ian Duncan Smith telling us that gambling is bad and we need to be doing more, the Gambling Commission needs to be doing more. So what can we come up with next? And this is the kind of thing that they come up with. Now, this would not happen if on their board, for example, they had they had serious operator, and I mean operator, not punter. I mean operator, because operators see it from both sides. Punters really do not. Uh, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but it's just a reality. I can see it from very from both sides, and they need serious. And I'm not offering to do the job, by the way. That I can serious. Well, that's the problem. That's also the problem, isn't it? But no, yes. nobody wants to do it because it's a crap job and it's probably crap paid as well. Job. It's a crap job and crap money and it's for do-gooders um, and they want to be seen to doing something and this is what this could be right on their gravestone do we need to be seen to doing something what they actually need to be seen to be doing is making sure is is looking at 30 million and making sure that their that their customer experience is not run down just because of this focus on the on the smaller element which we can deal with and we should deal with you know, you know, I've, I've, I've every sympathy. I, I personally, by the way, I've got no, no sympathy whatsoever for Merson and Shilton and all their nonsense. You know, there, there were a couple of failures. They earn tens of thousands of pounds every week, and they, and they went and spent it and all the rest of it. They're not the kind of genuine problem gamblers that worry me in life. I, I, I remember having a conversation with a guy in Wales who deposited just three hundred pound with me, and he rung up. And he said, we'll call him Jack. When he rung me up and I had a conversation with him after, after half an hour on the phone with him, I, I, you know, I, I'd already agreed to give him his money back within a couple of minutes. But he so persuaded me, you know, in that conversation, he kept me on the phone for a lot longer. But he so persuaded me that he had genuinely got out of control. And even though it was a relative, very small amount of money, like less than 400 pounds, I could see his problem. I could see the problem nature of problem that had not become apparent immediately to us as an operator because of the level everything had been going apparently normally until that conversation that we had with him as part of our standard checks and it was brought up to me and i actually rang the guy and i gave him his money back they're the kind of people that i care about i don't care about the mercies of this world who dip in and out and want to tell everybody else how they should be behaving in life i really but don't jeff right i'm, I'm going to make an admission here and and basically, in the past, um, I've done this for a long time. And yes, I have remortgaged to 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 get more funds. Of obviously, you know, in terms of in terms of betting capital, when you have bad runs, etc. Um, you know, it has it has bolstered my capital, and then you know, you 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 pay you repay it off, and and so, and so on. Right, I'd be viewed as a problem gambler on on that, surely on on this footing. Now, th- this is I, where I would, take, I would take the view that that's a problem. Well, well but why is it a problem? That, that I've had a very successful good. life from it. Lee, if that if that, I, I appreciate you, you, you may well be successful, but if that came in front of us, if we became aware of that, um, we would ta- we would take we would definitely flag that account for 
at the very least, several conversations. And that's what's wrong, right? Because you 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 watch Dragons Den. You must have watched Dragons Den. How many how many people go on Dragons Den and they've chucked and they've chucked everything they've got into a business and they've they've basically remortgaged the house, they've borrowed off the parents, they've done whatever, and we've got to here. And then you know, so my point is that in life people have choices that they make. Now I made that choice. I could at that point when I remortgaged back in I think it was two thousand and five, right. I, I could I could have just said no. I could have just said I'm 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 stopping. That's it. No, because I backed myself. I believed in myself, and it was it was a horrendous run. The, 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 it, it was ridiculous. And and this is the thing that that, that is not understood by uh, the gambling commission, people as a whole. When you when you're punting, um, it, it literally is. It's like a dark cavern. Sometimes you can, you could. Uh, last year, I think I won ten out of twelve months. This year, I've won about four out of nine months. You know, it, it's it, it, it's a tough game. And the the point is, the ROI is always the same, but the losing runs determine your level of capital and everything else. So, I made it a personal decision back then to do it, and I, I think I'd do it again. If, but I, I wouldn't now because the, the problem is that I think the game's the game's just gone a different direction. But but I would do the same again, and I don't regret anything because I've I've had a I've had a fantastic life through it. But that's for me a problem that that you're allowed to judge me as a as a as a problem gambler on the back of that for making a financial decision. That's my money. It's it, my money. It, where I where I'm where I would disagree with you is that you know where i where i think we're all in agreement is i don't believe in invasive privacy checks on 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 people i think it's wrong you know and i also disagree with people um determining how other people live their lives you know at the end of the day the biggest word in problem gambling is is uh, that's misunderstood is this word addict we're all addicts of of many things in life, it's it's human to be an addict. You know, people you see walking down the street, walking down the street, they they eat too much food. They're addicts of food. You know, you know, we, we there's a difference between addict and problem. You know, at what point does it reach problem? Uh, but I I don't believe in invasive privacy checks, and I don't believe in telling people how much they should spend and everything else like that. But I do believe in strongly reminding my customers at every opportunity that they should control their spend themselves, determine how much money they spend and stick to it. And we won't let them break those agreements with us. You know, at, but at the end of the day, that's down to personal individual choice. I think that's the only way that you can, that the most successful way, if you like, of, of, of you know, of, of dealing with problem, problem gambling is to, is to put, put, the, put the decision-making in the hands of the individual but make sure that the operator is doing everything they possibly can to reinforce, you know, good practice, good methodology. I mean, what, what's gone wrong with the old uh, conversation technique? So basically you could, uh, you know, place an experienced member of staff with what you think is a problem gambler, not like these Betfair checks where it's full of Romanians. And, uh, I mean, an experience, you know, to have a good chat, you know, I, I mean, I, in the old days, we used to have Betfair account managers come round to the house and have a coffee and a chat, just see how we're all doing and how we're getting on. Um, and something like that, something that, like you said, you build up a relationship with a customer, um, which is what you, you you advocate. And surely that's a better way of doing it than this, um, like you say, 
which is, is we 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 employ um a fellow he's you won't mind me telling you he's in his mid 50s he's worked on racetracks all of his life um he used to work for one of the major companies uh on the racetracks and all the rest of it and all he does these days is call people up basically and interact with people directly and then raise any issues that he has by the conversations we have with people so we look for signs and then he calls them up you know because that's not that's not in as invasive that's not you know you're not asking for somebody's data immediately when you do that but you but as a responsible operator what we're trying to do is gain gain information from the customer talk to the customer to see if well, there are any indications whatsoever that we need to be go, doing more checks on that customer you know or, or establishing making sure that he's got a deposit limit and he's sticking to it or does he need a break from gambling we often offer that offer that unilaterally if you like turn around to the customer and say you know You've been doing a lot of gambling or maybe you were you were betting overnight all all night the other night and all the rest of it that can be seen that is a problem area as well and we'll have, we'll give that that kind of customer be you know given a call uh, and yeah one-to-one chats is business-like it's it, it's the way it should be you know you should be talking to your customers um because it happens in many of so these days the only way you can be to bet to speak to bet 365 is via one of their disastrous live chat services and only after you've given eight pieces of data to identify you to the operator on the other side who will never understand your problem. Do you, do you not think there's some, some of that, though, is like um, it's kind of like a cultural problem in the UK, maybe, because everybody, you know, they're like, what are the rules? And then they play up to the line, you know, and, and they and they will lie and twist. And, you know, you do see companies doing it, too. And I'm, I was thinking of uh, there's an advert I always kind of laugh because it's just cringeworthy, but it's always in the radio for I think it's Tombola Bingo or something like that. And they're clearly targeting vulnerable people when I listen to the advert. They're like, you know, oh, I like the chat rooms because when I'm lonely, I go and talk to someone. And it's like, yeah. it's, almost, it's almost like in their marketing message, they're actively seeking out people that are vulnerable, sat on their own. And like, what, the answer is to sit on a chat room and, and bet. <laughs> so, do you know what? Yeah, yeah, sorry. You, sorry. No, 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 that, 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 that's, but, but how, how do you strict, uh, do you need stricter? Uh, measures for, for when people are exploiting it like that then or if, if you know your man phones somebody and they're flat out lying to him what, what? listen you can't deal with if people are going to lie to you or, or open up ghost accounts and give you all the different details and everything else like that in order to have a bet there's very little practically you can do about that if people are going to lie what what what, what can you do can't mm. go and take go barge into the house and take the wallpaper off the walls we're not customs and excise here so but we do everything that we possibly can in a one-to-one -one conversation and then we will go off quite often go further with the people if we've gone that far then then that often triggers you know further action and all the rest of it um but you know that these 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 measures these measures do work but what you know you, what you said there uh, triggered a thought well even one of the worst pieces of marketing or of advertising that i've seen in recent times that was allowed permitted to go on for an awful long time um and again it was a it was it was uh, identified by my wife although i always had that problem with it was the senate group what we call the senate group of operators who introduced that yellow sign that you would have seen in a lot of advertising saying when the fun stops with the word fun in massive block letters saying mm -hmm. as if it was a responsible gambling message fortunately that has been removed actually i think it was a gambling commission that eventually 
um, asked for this kind of advertising to be removed because at the end of the day, there's what was the, the key message coming out of those yellow signs? The word fun. It wasn't a responsible gambling message. It was a message saying, just have one more bet. And that was a message that it that, that it used to come to me. I used to I complained about it many, many times. I said, this messaging has to stop. And fortunately, these days it has stopped. And if you look at the advertising these days, to be fair to the large operators, the advertising that you see these days is constant. It's on every channel, um, you know, responsible gambling messages. And it's been very effective, in my opinion. That that part has been a success story, and we should continue with that. Calm. Um, if you were in charge of the Gambling Commission, and you can, you can, you obviously have, have do have a remit of uh, protecting um, potential problem gamblers. Um, how would you go about it? What 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 would what would you do? So you're in charge tomorrow. You're allowed to bring in new uh, regulations for the bookmakers to follow. What would you do? I think, well, I mean, Jeff, we've said about it a bit already, but Jeff obviously disagreed. But I think, I think the only real way that we can get some kind of reasonable solution and sort of sensible conversation in the middle is is with some kind of independent third party data verifier, which you know, again, it, it kills all the red tape for all the different individual platforms. You have to you go through affordability once, maybe with them. Um, or well, I guess it, I mean I know it's an ongoing process, but what I'm saying is you you report to one one uh, one segment, and then everything else feeds out of that. It gets rid of the you know the the companies behaving in a you know a non-ethical kind of way. Um, it knocks a lot of the problems on the head, in my, in my opinion. It stops people from going from one provider to another, and then to some crypto, and and then to maybe the black market and all this kind of stuff. Because you know to to just move people around is not a solution of any in any kind of way is yeah, it exactly i mean the, the the way i see it is that have we not learned from prohibition you know i mean when when prohibition took place obviously yeah, anyone that's seen the film board boardwalk empire will have seen what took place regarding alcohol um so it, it's the same for betting and, and i already know and I've said this before. I'm not. I'm going to do a bulger, and I'm not going to name names. But I I know for a fact that several trainers are betting in India. Um, jockeys are betting in India um, because it, it stays off the exchange largely, um, unless they're betting in large amounts. And th- th- these are the things that are going to send punters elsewhere. You know, it's like me. It's, someone... it's a very it's a very sensitive issue. And if you if you do the wrong thing, you just move the problem and possibly make it worse. And the first thing that comes straight to my mind is the football index disaster. Kind of, you know, I inflamed that one at the time. That happened, and a sin straight away. The same names, the same Twitter handles, everything. They all jumped over to Soret. Now that's on crypto. And technically, it's not gambling because it's a, a prize pool and all this kind of stuff. But really, it is. Yeah. Um, and 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 again, they're depositing, you know, tens of thousands or even five grand at a time. These are young lads that are 21, um, and it, it, it's very similar. And it's just going to happen again. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, there's going to come a point where everybody's got these NFTs. Great, you've got your NFT, but nobody really wants it anymore. And we've had your money, thanks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, coming back to you, Jeff. So, so I mean, like, if when I when I talked about my remortgage back in two thousand and five, um, if I wanted then to put hundred thousand into IG, um, 
share trading account. Yeah. I can do I, I can do that I can do that easily, you know, without much problem. I, I've provided. I mean, obviously, I, I do trade with IG, so it's not a problem. But that, that's my point. Why is that considered acceptable? And I don't have to give any affordability checks on that. But yet, if I wanted to place a bet with Jeff Banks, or I wanted to place a bet with any bookmaker or, or online exchange, you know, I have the, I have all these problems, Jeff. Well, first of all, we would look. At, if you talk about Jeff Banks, we would look at two two issues. One, anti money laundering is your account an anti money laundering concern? So there, are, there are, this is this is bandied around a lot, AML and everything, AML. But in reality. The level at which met the vast, the huge majority of people are depositing is not an AML concern, is not an AML flag, but is very often conflated into the whole problem gambling area because it suits the gambling commission and it suits the operators to behave in that way to treat everybody as if they're an anti-money laundering concern, which is an absolute fiction. But um, you ask Khan a question, and I'll give you the same question. If I was chief executive of the Gambling Commission, the first thing that I would do is I would um, I would uh, uh, end GamStop. That's the first thing I would do. GamStop is a banning order, and what, uh, the reason I would end GamStop is is fundamental. The Gambling Commission never, at any point, did research on the number of people who exclude themselves who return to gambling with another operator, even in their period of exclusion. They never did any research. They never took the time or trouble to find out what was the level, even, you know, people would, would exclude themselves with Jeff Banks. Were they then going on to their Betfair account and trading as normally with Betfair or William Hill or whatever, during their period of exclusion, they never produced any data to try to, to, to see how successful, and the reason why that data was critical is that when you have a banning system, and that's what GamStop is, up to an incredible five years, most people who exclude themselves do it generally as a kind of a, a, a you know, a, a spur of the moment. You know, they've had a bad run and they ban themselves on GamStop. Whether they go on GamStop and they automatically you tick the five years and you've now you've excluded yourself from the regulated market for a period of no less than five years and you cannot change your mind. And that's a key thing. You cannot change your mind. Now, how many of those customers that have gone on GamStop, given the oxygen of choice, would return to gambling of their own free will? And if you if you know the answer to that question, you're a better man than me. But I would say it's a compelling number. I would say it's better than 70 percent. Better well, than 70 I, I think, yeah, I think uh, gamble, Gamblers Anonymous attendees, you know, most most would reoffend. Most, yeah, you most know, it, yeah. so so I'm being conservative in saying seventy percent. But GamStop effectively therefore becomes a scheme which sends seventy percent of its users to the black market. That's how it works. So therefore, you've incepted a scheme. You've created a scheme with the best intentions in the world, maybe. But it's a flawed scheme, a deeply flawed scheme that forces people to bet on the black market. And that's the very worst thing you can do. What should change? To, so if you have a GamStop, I would modify the GamStop scheme. I would not I would not call it stop, for example, but I would modify the scheme to make it more flexible, to allow a user to return to gambling with education and with training paid for by the operators. And I don't mean education into how to have a bet. 
for education to like turn around to somebody and say, do you really, you know, for example, you know, train therapists, do you really want to do this? Why, you know, why did you ban yourself in the first place? And it, you know, why do you want therefore want to do that again? Don't you think that you would, you know, and, and basically give 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 that individual real pause for thought before you allow him to return to the regulated market. But at the end of the day, any scheme, in my opinion, that bans people based on prohibition cannot work and should never have been introduced. Yeah. No, that's that. That is a that's a fair point. I do agree with that. Um, Khan, anything else you'd like to add um, before we wrap this up? No, not really. I mean, no, no, no. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, some some great opinions. Um, and obviously, for me, it is extremely worrying for the sport I love. Um, I've, I've I've owned horses for a long time. I've 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 put my heart and soul into the sport, really, uh, in terms of of enjoyment I've had from it, and and I've I've given it my all, and I just feel it genuinely feels to me like we're on the uh, the last waltz, if you like, before. I mean, it might come back, but in terms of, I mean, when when Betfair sprung into life in two thousand and one, I mean, I, I can imagine Jeff Banks must have been horrified. <laughs> you know, into, you know. My old man was horrified. I think he maybe famously turned around to me at Windsor where we bet next door to each other, number two and number three on the rails, and he said, that would be the end of the game when Betfair came around. And in actual fact, over the years, as Khan knows, him and I, we've had some entertaining uh, chats on Twitter with each other. But at the end of the day, I respect what he does. He's a successful man. I'm sure deep down that he knows that I'm successful. But at the end of the day, Betfair, I always felt, would run its course. It was a dot-com thing, and it, and they killed themselves. You know, you can't mention, for example, premium charges and all this kind of thing. And now this latest thing, banning 25-year-olds from having more than 500 quid and all this kind of thing, when we know they might have several different accounts. You know, it, it's, it's how do you come up with an absolute scheme like that? And, yeah. and the, 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 so the premium charge, banning people, invasive data checks. This is a company that is falling on its sword. But good luck to uh, it's not Pokestars. DraftKings are looking to buy Entain. Uh, Maybe they'll buy Paddy Power Betfair, and and that'll be the that'll be the final nail in the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's full of good news this year. Uh, I, do, I, do, I do have one final question, actually. How did you get that hundred grand out of the sportsbook on Betfair? Yeah. No, yeah. Good question. Because because all we'd ever done, all you know, all I'd ever done with Betfair was lose. On the sportsbook, all I'd done was just deposit, 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 and all, all that, and I mean, almost never ever withdrawn. And I'm talking about sportsbook, for example, because they didn't care about the exchange, did they? Um, you know, they, all I ever did was deposit. So I was seen as no threat, and it was just a lucky strike. It was just a lucky strike. Uh, it it would have been a lot more, but, you know, a nine to four favourite got beat. It, it would have been, you know, something like 450 grand, but whatever. That these things happen. But you know, at the end of the day, I, I just got I just got lucky, and and that's always been you know I, as a punter, you know, and I don't bet very often for myself. I'm a loser. I've always lost, which makes it all the more bizarre. You know, these companies treating my personal gambling accounts, which I have very few, because as you know, in every event, my customers give me an interest in whatever I watch on the telly or whatever I think, whatever horse race I have, I have an interest. So I very rarely have a bet. I can't remember the last time I've actually physically had a bet for myself. 
Um, so I did. I got lucky with it, and you know all these greenhorn traders that Betfair employ. You know they're two bit traders. You know fresh out of school, and we know everything. You know all your James Knights of this world um, sitting there, and all the rest of playing with other people's money. I've always played with my own money. By the way, that's absolutely true. I've always played with my own money, not my dad's. And so, you know, I can tell you stories about like starting out. You know, because he basically didn't want his business and he kicked it over to me and said, right, you you take the fucking business. I don't want to know about it. And I took chances in my early career that would make your toes curl. Betting with money I didn't have, laying bets I didn't bet, you know, that I didn't have. I couldn't have paid if they'd have won and everything else like that. Is I took my chances in life, Lee, just like you took your chances in life remortgaging. I was basically up to the barrel, you know, many times when I started out. That's what has to happen in life if you're going to be successful. And it will be the same for Khan, I'm sure. He's taken chances, invested in things, software and all the rest of it that, that you do in life. And it's expensive and you go, well, Christ, you know, I've got to stretch myself to sort of be, you know, doing these kind of things. But that's what happens to successful people. They take risks. Yeah, great stuff, Jeff. Uh, Khan, the future for you, um, are you are you sort of happy uh, going forwards with what's on offer? It's far from over yet, but I mean, it does. It does look. It doesn't look better, does it? That's that's the only thing I have to say at the moment. I do find myself looking at some of these things. Well, the result of the gambling review will tell, all, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that I mean. This is this is what annoys me that the fact that the 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 government hasn't even sort of put the hammer down yet on any sort of official regulations, and yet the GC a quango of. Uh, of sort of unelected people from different various backgrounds, not industry related, have come along and decided to, um, you know, wield the uh, the old uh, draconian uh, measures on uh, on poor old Jeff here, uh, who's got to lose a lot of his punters um, from uh, from affordability checks, Jeff. Well, it, you know, it does. It genuinely it, it genuinely pains me, and I'm not talking about from the point of view of like old oh, necessity to be winning money for the business to be profitable and everything else like that i i i mourn relations between you know between my team my people and our customers having to turn around to long established customers and many of them have been better with me for an awful long time and ask them for this kind of stuff and their first reaction to me is uh, to my team is to turn around and say fuck off you can't <laughs> you know and that's and you 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 sit there and you go you know, this is this is utterly ridiculous. If I, you know, somebody like Lee Westwood, who, you know, I know Lee very well and all the rest of it, you know, is he required to produce, you know, is he an AML concern? You bet, bet, bet there'll be companies that turn around. If Lee Westwood won money off these companies, he'd be required to send over a few bank statements and wage slips in the 60s. You know, this is what happens in life, you know. So I, I think it's being used for gain, as this is my opinion. I do not know, but, you know, best, best, guess is with my experience that it's being used for gain rather than for for you know positive measures and the gamma commission needs to recognize these things fast and, and i hope this new ceo comes in prepared to give him a chance i was disappointed to see him you know photographed in front of one of the uh, stupid bus with all these people that wanted to ban gambling what in the living fuck was he doing there he's a he's he's uh He's a representative of the Gambling Commission. He shouldn't be involved in himself in political in political showboating or standing in front of buses talking about problem gamblers or anything else like that, you know, and ban gambling. Was it was an utterly ridiculous thing to do. This kind of thing, you know, he needs to pull back from that. But let's give him a chance. 
I'm sure he's an, he's, he's an intelligent fella. And he will, you know, if he approaches things with a more balanced view than MacArthur did, you know, and considers both sides of the coin, not just the problem gamblers, but look at the bigger picture. What's the life experience? What's the customer experience for the rest? Then he will have my approval. Very good. I'm going to draw stumps on this uh, fascinating uh, debate this evening. I I hope um, our listeners and viewers have enjoyed this. Um, We'll be back on these subjects, I'm sure we'll, further down the line as things develop. Um, But this is our take on it so far. Thank you, Jeff, for this evening. And thank you, Carm. And uh, we'll hopefully be back with more shows like this. That's all from me. Bye for now.